Welcome to the Digital Aircraft Secrets Podcast. I'm Mark Schultz, your host. This week, we continue in our series of blockchain and aviation. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Mark Schultz with Digital Aircraft, and welcome to another energetic discussion on blockchain and aviation. And you might ask yourself, why do we continue to do this? This is, we're into week number six. And let me tell you why, is because I am passionate about digital and I'm passionate about aviation. And so many of you were interested in knowing about blockchain and aviation and how it all fits in that we decided to have this eight week series where we're focusing on blockchain and aviation. So here's the lineup for this week. This week, I have a guest where we're going to be talking about um, uncrewed traffic management and air traffic management. It's my guest from Cranfield University, which is a very advanced university, which is focusing on technology and aviation. It's very exciting. And then Friday, I have another great uh, interview, which is occurring on NFTs for jets with a company called ETH Jets. You're not going to want to miss that. So today's discussion is going to be focusing on blockchain and how we're optimizing air traffic management. I have a guest here today who is a professor. He's a doctor and a professor at Cranfield University. He has background in IT, background in air traffic management, and now he's passionate about digital and its implementation within aviation surrounding blockchain. We're going to have a lively discussion here today about how that fits in. Let's go ahead and bring him in today. Hi, hey, Mark. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Yeah, glad, Hello. Glad to have you with us. <laughs> glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Dimitri, um, tell our viewers where you're located today. So I'm located in beautiful Cranfield University and airport. As you can see, my background always want to uh, promote our assets. Uh, that's 50 miles north of London in between Cambridge and Oxford. Perfect. Hey, we're going to get into more details about that, but because uh, I know people want to know, you know, where's the think tanks happening in the world and where are the ideas coming from in technology and aviation? So it's going to be an exciting discussion. Hey, as we're getting going here, um, I already see we have all kinds of people that have already joined the broadcast. Thank you for joining. And um, please share this live stream. I see that we had so many people sharing it already, and uh, that really gets the word out. And, you know, I am really passionate about uh, digital and aviation. Hey, uh, Dimitri, um, I, I see it's your passion too, right? You love aviation and digital, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, good, good. And so everybody out there, just share the stream. Help us get the word out. Help us help other people to be successful in this space. And also, as always, you know, I love to know who's watching and uh, where you're watching from. And I like to recognize people and uh, just give you a shout out. So if you're watching today, just uh, there's a comment box down below. If you would just put in, you know, where you're located, um, I would really appreciate it. And uh, we'll give you a shout out. And then during the broadcast, if you have any questions today for Dimitri, um, I prefer really, really hard ones for him, you know, just to make him get a little bit uncomfortable, you know, send him a really hard question, put it into the box, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see if we can answer your questions as well. Um, thanks for joining again. I really appreciate it. And let's jump off into a good conversation here. Dimitri, um, tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, what is it? Uh, who are you and what do you do? I mean, where, where what's your background? So, yes, thanks. Thanks for that. So I started as electronic engineer. I did uh, all my studies in the UK and then uh, I stumbled up across air traffic management. After my PhD, I did uh, a PhD in satellite navigation and integrity algorithm in flight management systems, basically how aircraft can self-navigate using uh, GPS and other such satellite systems. And I was fortunate enough to get into a, the graduate program of National Air Traffic Services 
basically that's the air navigation service provider that controls most of the UK airspace, definitely the en route, the FAA of uh, the UK in a sense. Um, and I was very fortunate to have bosses that got me passionate in air traffic management. That is a very, very niche industry actually, which I didn't know much about, but actually is a very important cog in the whole aviation ecosystem. Right. Yeah, it really Thanks. is very niche. Um, how how did you happen to choose satellite navigation and FMSs, flight management systems? How, well, why did you choose that for a for a, a PhD study? Oh, uh, it's all about the path of life, right? Luck. I think I just stumbled across it. I had a number of options, and they offered me the job at that point. And I think a bit my life was up at that path. I mean, I'm curious. I think we are all curious. We all adapt to uh, opportunities, and the opportunity was there. Very good, very good. So, um, so you you ended up uh, going into studies at Cranfield University, or um, you know, I, I don't think you went into studies. Where did you actually study at? So uh, I studied at Imperial College London, uh, my oh. PhD, and then I started uh, working in London for NATS, the National Electric Services, uh, close to Heathrow. So Heathrow was one of our main customers. I uh, deployed their traffic management systems all across the UK in UK airports. How you um, improve the systems, improve the efficiencies of what their traffic controllers do, the pilots do, how they communicate uh, together and how the whole system works together in a collaborative way. Okay. After well, how, did the, how did the conversation of blockchain, you know, enter into that? You know, how, how that, did you get involved in that? that? That came a bit more recently, to be honest, although blockchain exists for quite a few years. Our industry, as I said, working for NUTS, then I went to a Gatwick airport. And two and a half years ago, I joined Cranfield to head the Advanced Air Mobility Research Group, really pushing innov innovation and trying to push the boundaries of innovation and how we deploy those systems. Because air traffic management as aviation, historically, is a very safety critical operation, very uh, slow to implement change just because of this safety critical uh, context, right? To test, validate, meet the regulatory requirements, meet the safety requirements. It takes time to implement change, but also to get the users, like their traffic controllers and the pilots, to accept change as well. Yeah. So I came to okay. Cranfield well, exactly to do that, to be able to push those boundaries in a way, as you, as you can see, I have the airfield behind me, so we can do quite a lot of beautiful stuff from concept development to actually deploying things and testing them in a controlled operational environment. Well, let, let me ask you this, Dimitri. You brought up the word advanced air mobility, so we can give people context of the things that you're focused on right now. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more? What do you call advanced air mobility? So there is a very specific definition from uh, the U.S. of advanced air mobility, right? The way we use it in the in Cranfield, we actually um, put it as an umbrella term to define everything that is increased automation, increased autonomy in air traffic management, increased uh, decision support tools, as I said, for air traffic controllers and pilots, but also integrating safely all these new aerial vehicles that we are seeing that are more common nowadays. You know, these drones for good, uncrewed aerial vehicles, new electric um, vertical takeoff and landing systems, the new air taxis, and all these uh, futuristic, in a sense, uh, aerial vehicles to share the airspace of con conventional air traffic, which, as I said, is very safety-critical-minded. Uh, 
Yeah, we have uh, we have such a, a growth and an expansion, you know, of um, aviation when you consider advanced air mobility, and um, it creates certain challenges within the industry. So maybe we shift Absolutely. our conversation to just that. You know, what do you see as the biggest challenges that we have in the industry today, given the context of we're talking about the growth of aviation and and stretching of the um, of the air traffic system and the introduction of advanced air mobility? What are mm -hmm. the biggest challenges that we have out there in the industry today? Okay, there's a number of challenges, uh, but I'll just try and focus on two or three that I want to uh, touch upon okay. today. So first of all is really transforming the current air traffic management system, right? So how you alleviate workload of air traffic controllers that is also already kind of saturated because the systems they use are disparate, different, so all meteorolog meteorological data, radar data, all this kind of different information they need to ingest, assess, understand, and then instruct to the pilots and others what to do. So that's number one. Number two, the change management, how you implement new systems, new technologies to optimize those processes in a context where those regulatory frameworks don't exist yet. So as we know, the last couple of years, the regulators have done a great job to actually catch up to technology. But I think this is the the opportunity and the beauty, having all these kind of new entrants, new technology developers actually pushing and trying to challenge the current status quo of air traffic management. So, so we find ourselves, I think we have another, I think we have another picture, you know, and if you take all the different systems and things that are being integrated and are being brought into the controller, you know, basically sitting in front of him is quite a complex kind of an environment, right? Absolutely. You know, so, Oh, Dimitri, what are we looking at here right now? So we see a very typical scenario of uh, air traffic control tower, right? Where the uh, controller needs to look outside uh, the window to actually see and have a situational awareness of what's going on on the airfield, but also understand all the different uh, contextual factors. So weather, met information, radar, any traffic that's coming in, that's going out, uh, talking to their colleagues and so on. So they need to really understand, assess a number of different information feeds and then instruct and take executive action. So what we're trying to do with increasing automation and autonomy is help and alleviate that workload from the controller to be able to just have a ratified information feed that is combined that gives them exactly what they need when they need it as opposed to them choose what is important for that particular executive decision that they need to do yeah so 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 what you're telling me is is that we have all these information sources that are coming in and we have all this different attention that has to be given to you know aircraft and safety and meteorology and ground exactly. control and uh, exactly. you know and um and and uh, air you know air route traffic control and and uh, just complex information radio handling and and so today are, are most towers still existing like what we see here now in front of you oh most deep, if you take the average across all the world, I would say yes. But there is like a, this uh, new technology called the uh, digital tower, basically where you kind of digitalize the outside uh, view of the of the control tower. So Heathrow has one. We have one at uh, Cranfield, uh, London City, and others in the world. But actually, that allows us to then digitalize all that information and be able to display directly on the screen exactly the information 
that their traffic controller needs and wants, as opposed to have to go and fetch it from other uh, Perfect. screens. Perfect. So, so um, let's let's pause here for a second because I want to come back to that because um, that's the next segment here. You brought that up perfectly. I like to recognize people that are out there watching. Um, we have uh, 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 Jean Marc with us today. He's continuing to follow that. We actually have their company, Skythread, um, which is going to be uh, coming on next week on Wednesday, I believe, or uh, yeah, next week. And uh, uh, so I want to welcome you here today. And um, sometimes we get people watching and their names don't come through. I'm sorry, but you have somebody in Colorado who's, uh, you know, giving you a shout out, Dimitri, thanks. And uh, we have uh, Lorenzo. Lorenzo, thanks for joining us. Um, I appreciate Hi, you watching. Says great initiative. Um, let's see, we have a guest here from Birmingham and uh, says great session so far and uh, points out safety is a key part um, Dimitri, would you agree with the, the safety? 100%. 100% safety is our DNA. Never change that. That's a Absolutely. fundamental That's pillar of one, our traffic one. management. Yep. And then we have uh, Kamal who's joined us here. Um, flight planning and tracking, considering different players, data feeds, you know, very, very complex. So, yeah, I didn't even bring up the aspect of flight planning, but we have flight planning and tracking and all those different pieces, you know, that integrate as well as uh, maps and airways and radars and, you know, all those things. So, Wow, we're, we're creating a very complex environment. Now, um, Dimitri, I, I know you have to answer this, you know, yes, but I'm just going to ask you, is it, do you believe the current air traffic system today is safe? Yes. Yeah, of course. But stretched, <laughs> but stretched. Stretched. And so that's where I wanted to go with that is, is that it's stretched and we see it stretched because it was only just a few weeks ago, it was last month in June, that uh, Heathrow Airport said, you know, wait, we're, we're over capacity, stop scheduling so many flights, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so we know the system is stressed and we see that anytime there's a weather event or anything, you know, that um, there's an argument between the airline and uh, ATC on whose fault it is, you know? And they say, it's your fault, it's your fault, you know? And uh, so we know that it's stretched. We don't have to look very far to see that it's stretched. Now, enter advanced air mobility, right? And we're going to have a, a significant growth. And one of our previous guests last week said that we're expecting like a 10x growth, you know, in traffic from, from advanced air mobility. So the question is, what do we do about that? Now you've introduced the idea of digital. Let's go into mm -hmm. that a little bit. Let's talk about that. Is, is that how can we use artificial intelligence and maybe distributed ledger technology, you know, in order to be able to improve optimization? Tell us a little bit of the benefits of doing something like that. Yeah, I'll just I'll just up, touch up on that. So we are expecting a tenfold increase in air traffic movements from all these new aerial vehicles. Until a couple of years ago, controllers didn't want to hear anything about drones. We don't really care about them. We don't want to see them. But actually, that is not is kind of changing the attitude. Situational awareness is the most important thing, right? But then, for that increase in air traffic movements, you can't have any more the human in the loop always controlling. So overseeing, yes, but not controlling. Hence why we want to introduce more autonomy, more automation. And of course, we put that under the umbrella of AI, more intelligent decision-making or decision support tool for the end user to do uh, decision-making. To reduce the, their workload. To reduce their workload, to allow the full potential of those new aerial vehicles, you know, drones for good, and so on, because the current system is not scalable as it is. You won't yeah, be able all to while have improving safety, like you just said, right? Always, always, and that's and that's really the the crux of it. Improve safety 
improve uh, capacity, improve resilience through automation autonomy. But then the, the challenge with that is that we don't necessarily have the way to certify to, uh, we don't have the safety requirements to certify the autonomous systems, more intelligent systems, right? And this is where the regulators are playing catch up. There's been, there've been a couple of uh, uh, requirements being developed in the last couple of years. But the whole idea of then deploying those systems to be able to routinely fly in an in integrated mode are still in the process of uh, being developed and deployed, right? And what we're no, seeing um, here- Dimitri, uh, my experience in working with regulators over the years has been that, you know, there's two different groups of people. There's those that go to the regulators and say, tell us what to do. And there's those that go to the regulators and say, you know, these are our recommendations on how we can mm -hmm. provide efficiency and safety and, you know, and growth and operations and collaborate exactly. with the regulators in order to be mm -hmm. able to use the knowledge of the industry and satisfy the needs of the regulatory agencies. And by working together, you know, you can create um, growth and guidelines which work for all. And I, I really like what you guys are doing in doing research and bringing out, you know, the, the methods and the solutions and not going to the regulators and say, give us regulatory guidance. I think that's the right way to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, the expertise is in the industry, right? Is from the technology developers, but then not always. And this is where one of the challenges are as well. Like all the new entrants, new UAV operators, etc. they usually lack the knowledge of how you go and certify a, a product or how you go and get regulatory approval. Clearly those requirements are missing, but the process by which you actually engage with the regulator is missing. And actually lately the regulators are taking a bit of, of, of a more proactive approach. And for example, one of the projects we've had all through the future flight challenge that we'll discuss in a bit is the regulator is actually now more embedded within the project team to actually be able to inform themselves of where the industry is going, what they're developing, taking all those lessons learned to then inform their uh, guidelines and guidance, which we've seen in a yeah. couple of uh, uh, developments in the UK Civil Aviation Authority of late. Okay, so you brought up a word. I'm going to go back to that AI chart in a minute. Not yet, but I'm going to go back to it. But um, you brought up a word, the future flight challenge. Um, I know yes. that you were involved in an initiative to take a look at you know, future flight and technology. Can you explain a little bit about what that is? Absolutely. So future flight is a uh, future flight challenge is a um, program by the UK government, UK research and innovation to actually develop the future airspace, future integration of aerial vehicles into our uh, into the conventional uh, airspace. What that means is you have so many different components of that ecosystem from the aerial vehicles themselves or the intelligence, the technology on board the uh, management of those systems, so the air traffic management and uncrewed traffic management and other components, the connectivity, the ground infrastructure, pretty much a lot of elements. So that program is actually seeking to develop all those different components through a number of projects. Uh, I think there are 42, oh, sorry, there were 42 in phase two that is, that is closing now, and there are 17 for the next uh, two years, phase three to be able to then be able to deploy those systems routinely in our, uh, our space. 
So it's a it's a, a industry public private university kind of a partnership to yes. bring together knowledge and experience, um, regulatory considerations, research considerations, um, industry experience, bringing all those things together exactly. to be able to look at future flight challenge and how we can optimize, you know, through the use of technology given the growth in the industry. Is that correct? That's exactly spot on. Actually, yeah. so it's a match funding program where government has put 125 million pounds to fund, but then that was matched by all these different organizations from academia, industry, uh, small and medium enterprises, startups. Yeah, fantastic. Good, good. Um, so uh, I want to go back to that thought again. So we had a chart that I had up before. We maybe put up a little bit early. I want to bring it back up again. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so given that we're looking at technology. And one of the things mm -hmm. that's been considered is distributed ledger technology, black blockchain. Mm -hmm. So how does that fit into the idea of future flight? Yeah, so we were part of a uh, project with 13 uh, different partners. And that is actually the brainchild of uh, a very good friend of mine, Simon Brown from EasyJet right now. He used to be Tech Tower and he was in episode nine. I really, I really, uh, recommend you to uh, go and uh, look at this for your audience but basically that was a brainchild of how we can implement distributed ledger technology blockchain in aviation data distribution right so how we can make it uh, easier for new entrants and not uh, such a high barrier to entry as the current system is how to make it more efficient more uh, secure and safer and from our side in Cranfield, so I, I work for the center of for autonomous and uh, cyber physical systems, we brought all the autonomy, right? Uh, automation. And that chart really shows the benefits and the congruence between those two. Basically how those two new technologies that we have right now that will transform that ecosystem and will allow us one to scale, two to be able to uh, be safer and have both of those worlds together. So both of those technologies are, um, clearly different technologies, but actually they have mutual benefits. So if you see on the on the left-hand side, AI, so AI for blockchain or distributed ledger technology, you have all those benefits of increasing security, governance, performance, scalability, and so on. So why is that? Is actually you can use AI to be able to check things like anomaly detection, uh, adversarial um, attacks, against the blockchain against the dlt which already is robust but actually you can use systems like ai and machine learning to be able to detect underlying attacks and underlying issues like data corruptions and so on one of the things simon talked and matt episode 10 so bo both of us both of them were part of this uh this program flight to plan is actually they were they were bringing all this uh, blockchain technology to be able to show all this immutability of data provenance of, of data traceability and so on to be able to ensure that the new system distributed as well as the current system is but actually is much more efficient in the in the security side of things on the left hand side then how dlt then you uh, help ai ai in a sense in general needs data to paint right needs data to understand what is going on but then ai in general the fundamental techniques right now are a bit black box 
So we don't really understand how those decisions, how those recommendations, how those outputs are calculated and are uh, presented. So what DLT can do is actually make sure that there is traceability of that data. So all the training data is stored on the blockchain and then used by the different stakeholders as they need. So you have much more availability of the security, much more uh, trustworthiness of where the data comes from, making sure that it's not corrupt, that it doesn't affect the AI at the end, and actually allows transparency. And that's a keyword, transparency to the end user, because they are traffic controllers and they are end users that have the licenses, basically, and they are on the hook if something goes wrong, to be honest. They need to understand exactly if they can trust the system. So DLT provides that. So interesting is um, basically, if I could sum that up, you're saying that we take the best of distributed ledger technology, blockchain, and the features of that, and we combine that with the the knowledge and the machine learning and all those different aspects of advanced capabilities that we talk mm -hmm. about. You know, you put those two together, and now we have the benefits of both, which create even more synergy to give us, you know, better decision making, better knowledge, better information, better transparency, mm -hmm. transparency, better security, better availability of data, and all those things that come from combining the two. Is that yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. And most important, traceability back, because if something goes wrong, you need to go and investigate, right? And that's uh, one of the fundament yeah. Yeah, fundamental right. things right. in air traffic management. Yeah. If something goes wrong, you go back and investigate what has happened. And this DLT for AI actually allows that, as opposed yeah. to having yeah, AI just doing its so own thing. That was thing. a good chart. Yeah, I, I really uh, I appreciate that. So um, uh, as we continue on to the next part of the discussion, um, let's just maybe talk about some of the benefits, you know, of that. Um, maybe we go bring up a, one more picture that we have, I think, you know, before us. Um, so uh, what can you tell us about how all this fits together, you know, right yeah. now? It's a very elaborate diagram. Uh, <laughs> and actually, I need to uh, to give credit to uh, Dr. Carolina Sanchez-Hernandez, who was part of Cranfield before and worked with us in flight to plan. She designed that, but basically... What this tries and shows is exactly how those two worlds uh, meet together, right? So all this machine learning model pipeline is all the different uh, tools that the uh, air traffic controller might have or a UAV operator might have in its ground control station, right? So things like conflict detection and resolution, which is one of the fundamental pillars of how we actually have the full unlocking of that uh, airspace. And where you identify the different data items, data items that are produced from different stakeholders. So we have airports, airlines, air traffic, uh, air navigation service providers, uh, network managers, so the, what, the organizations that actually control the or manages the demand across the EU. So all of those data items are not always available to everyone, right? So you need to understand which one is good to use, which one is more important for those specific tools, which we used in this context, conflict detection and resolution, but there's other things like we talked about before, flight planning, radar, other stuff. So what this is trying to show is that we can have this backward propagation of key data and features that are uh, going from the model pipeline to the blockchain adapter and informing back to the blockchain 
actually the internal data times that needs to be uh, more secure, more agreed upon across all the stakeholders to be able to inform uh, the model itself. So it's actually a feedback loop from the AI model and the tools that are being developed back to the blockchain and how the blockchain needs to have more um, consensus, more agreement and more checks on specific data items than others that are less uh, important. So Dimitri, you've, you've shown us a view here of how things can fit together. Um, and so let me just ask you this, is that, are we talking about something that's conceptual now or are there, are there people working on implementing these approaches or tell me what's the state of the industry with respect to using blockchain and actually implementing of it in air traffic management? So we've developed as part of the Flight to Plan Consortium, uh, 13 partners, uh, I'll name them uh, later, but uh, we also produced a white paper on this, exactly how we use DLT and AI for the UTM integration into air traffic management. We've developed exact, exactly that model. Uh, I must admit, most of the work was done on the blockchain adapter, which is not really shown here, but you can see there's quite a lot of things going on in that small piece of work. So all of that has been developed, not necessarily as an example for the conflict detection and resolution, but for flightening and delay prediction. So flight to plan was exactly this. So how we ensure that um, aircraft fly to their scheduled plan, because if they come later or earlier, it stretches and it puts uh, it puts uh, difficulties in the overall system. So they need so the punctuality is very very important. So actually develop right. that that framework has been developed. We have a repo that uh, repository of the code, um, courtesy of CETA, an airline broker and tech tower, a startup working on this safety critical uh, issues for aviation dis data distribution. So those exist. Yeah, right. and so I understand we've developed they were actually used um, to to conduct flights within you know live UK airspace, right? Exactly, exactly. So we had Heathrow, yeah. we had live live yeah. uh, data. Yeah. So we de we've demonstrated the feasibility of that, right? What so hasn't been developed? We're still early in the process. Um, you know, in, in all technology and evolution, you know, goes through different uh, journeys. Um, uh, you know, we have we do have production level kind of capability that's been researched and developed and mm -hmm. actually used. And there's still maturity, of course, that, that exists and has to continue to grow, yeah. but um, it's gone from just the conceptual stage to reality, right? Absolutely, absolutely. The consortium worked really hard to actually have a demonstrator, which usually the previous phase was to develop the concept and this new phase for the next two years is to develop a demonstrator. We actually did that in the previous phase so what we're trying to do now really as as i was saying before when we want to deploy this kind of systems we need to gather operational evidence uh through an operational environment to be able to show the the feasibility the validity of those systems to the regulator right so this is what we're trying to do at cranfield our global research airport as we say is working with a number of those partners from flight to plan to deploy that in our airfield with certain nodes. So Cranfield has its own air traffic control, its own airfield, its own airline. 
So we're working with a number of partners from Flight to Plan to deploy that at Cranfield. So I okay. Well, let's uh, let's talk about Cranfield for a minute because I I believe that Cranfield you know is instrumental in uh, you know bringing us to the next step in this kind of an area. And so tell me a bit about Cranfield. Who is Cranfield, and you know where, what's its history, and and what are you doing there today? How does Cranfield fit into this? Cranfield University fit into this yeah. equation. So Cranfield University, first of all, is a, a postgraduate only university. So we are focusing a lot and mainly on research. Um, we have the beauty and the uh, opportunity to have a live airport um, in our ecosystem. So we can do quite a lot of things of bringing partners together where they can't really do testing in their own busy airport. For example, in this case, flight to plan. Although we did demonstrate a use case at, at Heathrow during that program. But basically what we can do is test things in a less busy environment that are transferable and uh, with lessons learned that can transferred into the busy environment. And, and I understand that you've also implemented some uh, technology in like the air traffic control tower and things like that. You know, don't you have some advanced technology that you're, that you're utilizing there at the, at the airport facility? So yeah, so we have a, a remote tower, so a digital tower that we mentioned before. So basically this is um, a digital view through cameras of the outside uh, view for air traffic controllers. So you don't necessarily need an air traffic control tower anymore. You can kind of control from wherever in the world you are while we control 40 meters from the airfield. But actually, this yeah. digi digitalization of the view allows us to then display a number of information feeds quickly to uh, the controllers to be able to take better decision, quicker decision, less thinking, executive uh, decision time. Yeah, you know, and and it isn't it isn't the it isn't that much of a imagination to think about doing that because you know we have um, centers which you know cover you know large regions of of the world and of the U.S. and of you know of of Europe and uh, they're not they're not visually looking at the aircraft they're in contact and controlling um, you know aircraft from remote locations so why wouldn't we be able to do it with an air traffic control tower yeah. 100%. The only thing I would say is when you control en route radars, you have much more uh, separation. You have much more time mm -hmm. to, uh, to respond. And as we know, the most critical uh, phases of flight is landing and taking off, right? This is where most accidents happen. So actually being able to uh, digitalize those kind of operations during those phases of flight takes much more, uh, as I said before, change management, evidence, and so on, but okay. there's a number of so, those systems installed. So now we're getting better and better and more experienced. So let me this. ask you this, is that what is it going to take for us to go to the next step? What do we really have to do, you know, in order to be able to do full implementation of these kind of technologies, you know, for air traffic management? What's what's next? I think it's important still to work all together, right? So no one can solve all the issues together. So collaboration is really, really important sharing of lessons, right? Which we don't really see much in that industry. Air traffic management has lessons learned, has just culture, because they have that process of really um, notifying, raising any incident, anything that they can learn from any minor incident or major incident, they, they raise it. Uh, 
but in untrue traffic management, because of course it's the race of who will be first, who will be better, and there's less of the lessons learned. And actually the programs as future flight, those consortia uh, methods of projects allows that kind of sharing of knowledge, of course, within the consortium itself. And what we're trying to promote is, well, throughout the consortia, throughout the program, we should yeah. be better at sharing our lessons, collaborating, understanding who is developing what and how we can bolt those solutions together. And does the consortium remain active today? Uh, not as a consortium altogether, because uh, we weren't successful in the phase three flight, but in uh, more uh, small ways. So we are active in the way we still collaborate together, but not in the context of, of future yeah. flight. As I said, okay. we're we're working with a number of partners to deploy that system at Cranfield Airport and gather operational evidence. So whoever yeah. wants to get involved, please uh, contact Yeah, us. well, D Dimitri, we've had roughly um, 110,000 people that have watched these broadcasts over the last six weeks. And so the, the people are interested, all right? Now, if somebody wants to join in on this conversation, you know, how can they get involved? How should somebody get involved if they're interested in this? If they're a business or an individual or an airline or, you know, or, an, or a regulatory agency, how can they get involved? So I'll, I'll leave my details uh, at the end here. Just contact us. We are the Center for uh, Autonomous and Cyber-Physical Systems, the Global Research Airport at Cranfield. You know, uh, get in touch just to understand exactly what's... Uh, the requirement you know how you can get involved but we're always open to collaboration always open okay. to learn more uh, share more you know more more you know take take the industry forward in a sense hey does um does cranfield have any remote learning uh programs yes absolutely so we have a well sorry remote learning i thought you were saying part-time uh, well, I think uh, there you know, so if somebody if somebody doesn't live in the UK, do you have any programs where they can you know uh, remotely get engaged in post uh, postgraduate you know programs or definitely PhDs uh, for okay. MSCs we try to do more face to face because this is where really our uh, value uh, comes out. But we definitely have opportunities for remote uh, learning in a case-by-case -case basis. But I think okay. for us, really, okay, the benefit good. is our facilities. Yeah, we have people all around the world that are watching, so I just wanted to know. So if people are located in the local region, you probably know about Cranfield, but if you don't, you know, reach out to uh, Dimitri and, uh, you know, you can have a conversation with him. Um, there's his email there on the screen. Um, definitely we're interested in the concept or the ideas of advanced air mobility, you know, such a growing idea and um, interesting how we've now put together uh, you know, digital, digital transformation, blockchain, distributed ledger technology, and aviation. So um, listen, everybody, you know, you know, the reason that uh, we're doing this is that I want you to know about the things that are happening in the industry. I want you to be aware of where you can get help and uh, how we can collaborate together to be able to help create operational efficiencies within, you know, our industry, our aviation industry, all while maintaining even a better safety record as we go forward all the time. And so, um, you know, Dimitri, I really, really appreciate, you know, what you're doing in the industry and how you're helping bring this with your enthusiasm and, uh, you know, the, the consortiums you're involved in. And uh, what you guys are doing is really great to bring together digital and aviation. I just wanted to thank you so much for your initiatives in this area. Oh, pleasure. Pleasure to uh, 
to be part of this. And actually, as I said before, it's all about collaboration, right? So Cranfield is exactly. one of the players of a collaborative uh, team right. at the end of the day. Hey, um, Dimitri, if I were to ask you a question, what are you the most excited about at this time in aviation and digital? What's exciting to you? I think this is where we are in a great phase of uh, the transformation of air traffic management, right? So all those technologies that we've been discussing for so many artificial intelligence, intelligent systems, uh, blockchain, and so on. Actually, we're in a point where we can deploy those systems now, right? There's no computing power issues anymore. There's no such constraints. It's more about, okay, so how we make sure that we can put them into operational, uh, transition them into operational environment with certification in mind, certification yeah. requirements that are in existence currently, but actually working with the regulator to do that. So I think I think in the next couple of years, there'll be really, really interesting things uh, coming out of it. Good. And uh, I appreciate you, know, you and Cranfield University and what you're doing to contribute to that. Thank you so much. Hey, listen, um, before you drop off, I just want to tell everybody that you know I'm Mark Schultz with Digital Aircraft, and we're passionate about um, aviation and digital, and we're passionate about implementing of aviation and digital. And if you want more information, reach out to me. There's my email address on the screen. If you'd like to possibly be on this live broadcast, you know we do them frequently. I've done a thousand live broadcasts, you know, uh, in the last uh, 18 to 24 months. And um, we're just passionate and excited about it. You can reach out to me and we can have a conversation, you know, about that. Reach out to me on LinkedIn or my email. Hey, listen, uh, one more reminder about what's next this week. Um, two days from now, we have a, uh, a, a, a live broadcast on Friday, which is with a company called ETH Jets. And uh, what excites me about ETH Jets is they're bringing together um, NFTs, blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the availability of private jet transportation all together. And uh, it's really an exciting topic. Um, and uh, I think you're gonna wanna watch it because what they're really doing is they're bringing uh, private jet, business jet transportation available to many more people by doing that. So don't miss that one on Friday. Dimitri, thanks for joining us. Um, I really appreciate you being with us today. And uh, I wish you the best in your adventures. And if there's anything that we can do to help, be sure to reach out to us. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Very good. Okay, everybody, fair winds and following seas. Thank you for joining us, and I'll see you on our next live broadcast. Bye for now. Cheers.